So, you know, at best, what we know is what they do or what's going on. I thank you. We might know when some of the other churches around us Ten twenty-seven. in fact. <laughs> we might know what's going on at some other churches around us, but we also might be surprisingly aloof to what's happening in churches that are even very close to us, let alone very far away from us. We, Talitha Baptist Church, are an entity unto ourselves. We Baptist churches Uh, Though there is a movement of Baptist churches called independent Baptist churches, you'll simply have to understand what I mean when I say we are an independent church. Uh, We are a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, but the highest authority within our church is our congregation led by the Holy Spirit seeking to worship God rightly according to His Word. We vote, and what we vote upon is is final. There's no higher authority to appeal to on this earth uh, for our church. And so, how then, since we are an independent local congregation, how can we participate? What use are we to our brothers and sisters at other churches? How can we be helpful to them? How are they helpful to us? What can we do together? How do we get along with what else is going on? To be certain, God is doing quite a bit in our church, but we're not the only church in which God is doing things. And so, how do we see opportunities in other churches and help out and participate with them? It's exactly the question addressed here in, in fact, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 today. John is… Paul… I'll get it together. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, which he started, and they had already made a vow, this Corinthian church. Uh, They had promised that they were going to send some relief help to the Jerusalem church, One of the earliest churches, the one in Jerusalem, had lots of impoverished people there and were experiencing some sudden difficulties. And the Corinthians had said, you know what, we're going to help out our brothers and sisters. They had this, the Holy Spirit stirred in their hearts and said, we're going to do what we can. But then some stuff had come up in Corinth that had distracted them from this task. Uh, They had made a pledge. They knew they were supposed to do this, take up an offering and collect it and send it over to the Jerusalem church. But you know how things come up. They hadn't put it in the mail yet. And so Paul writes to them to encourage them to continue to do the thing that they had already promised to do, to send this help and this aid to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. But I think as we read this today, we'll find this passage is not primarily about an offering or about money. This is primarily about what we're supposed to do and how we are supposed to relate to the brothers and sisters who are Christ's but don't belong to this church, but they do belong to our Savior Christ. So let's pray together and let's read this passage. Father God, I thank You that You have spoken so clearly to us. I thank You that You've forgiven our sins. And so that as we come today to worship and to read Your Word, we come, those sinners, as forgiven, as saints before You by Christ's work. And so I pray that today as we hear Your Word, we would not harden our hearts, but that we would believe it and that we would obey it. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says to the church, 
We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the church in Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in wealth and generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. What we get from Paul here is first the example of a flawless church. Uh, Paul says, I mean, the church is in Macedonia. He talks about it, the Macedonian church. Macedonia is a region which includes such churches and such towns and cities as Philippi, where Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, and several other communities like this that Paul had visited and shared the gospel with. And so, communitively, he just refers to all of them together. He says, you know, those churches, that church, I just want you to know about how they've done it. Not perfect, but they had this desire that came out of affliction during a severe trial there brought about by affliction. Their abundant joy and extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Apparently, according to this passage, the pathway towards generosity is extreme poverty and abundant joy. Do you want to know how one becomes generous? Apparently, the formula is affliction mixed with abundant joy in Christ and extreme poverty. Somehow, in the ways of God, that turns into generosity. And so it does for the Philippians and for those in Macedonia. In fact, Paul says in verse 3, I can testify that according to their ability, and let's be honest, even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. Not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. He says, this church is facing all kinds of suffering. And they insisted. They wouldn't hear of not getting to be a part of the work that God was doing in other churches. They said to themselves, as Paul would later say to the churches, they said, we consider our current sufferings not worth comparing to the riches that we have in Christ. They said, essentially to Paul, don't you walk away without taking some blessing from us first. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're poor. Who cares? We are going, don't remove from us the blessing to be a part of the work that God is doing. Perhaps you might know of some sweet grandmother out there. I had one of these sweet grandmothers. Uh, Frankie Pearl Bird was her name. We just called her Mamma. Uh, but Mamma would not let us leave her house without some sort of blessing. Mamma didn't have a whole lot. She and Papa were just, they were just poor people from Louisiana and settled in Austin, Texas after World War II. And he worked as a sheet metal worker. He fabricated things out of sheet metal. He was a factory worker. She started a flower shop to subsidize her, to add to their income. They just never had much. 
But they trusted in the Lord, and they wouldn't let us leave their house without some kind of blessing. When I was young, it was quarters. We'd leave with like a handful of quarters. It was a sweet Christmas thing that Mamma would do. As we got older, it was just desserts and food, whatever she could make. She would not let us leave without a blessing. And the last time that I saw her before her passing, I was in a retirement home down there in Austin, Texas several years ago. And I told her I was so sorry that I wasn't able to come more, that God had sent me off to South Carolina and was, I was able to be a part of His work and there was great blessings involved, but I'm so sorry I couldn't, even when we made it back to Texas, we went to Dallas and we couldn't make the further trip down to Austin because it was just that many more miles. And she didn't care at all. She said, no, 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 none of that. But let me say a prayer for you and give you my blessing. She wouldn't hear of it otherwise. She didn't remember much, but she took my hand from her wheelchair and she started praying for me. And God bless her, in her mental state, she got caught in a loop, and the prayer went on and on and on, the same things, but, but it was the biggest blessing on me. This is what God's people do, and that's what that Macedonian church is doing. They're giving out of their poverty because they don't care what they have. That's not what this is about. What this is about is their earnest desire to be a part of the work of God no matter what, just like the woman who had a bleeding affliction reached out to Christ for healing. These people now saved are reaching out to Christ in any little way they can so that they can simply be a part. That is such their desire in their hearts, and it's beautiful before the Lord. You better believe that this offering that the Macedonians offer is a pleasing sacrifice before their God. You might remember from Scripture the widow's might. Jesus blesses this poor woman who comes to the temple to offer her offerings. A rich man goes in front, and as he drops into the box, he drops in a lot of change, big coins. They clank around a little bit and announce his presence like bells, uh, that he has arrived and that he's kind of a big deal. And then this poor woman who has nothing comes with her two copper coins, the smallest they are, a mite, like a dust mite, not like mite. But it's the widow. But that's why we keep saying might, even though we don't have that word in our uh, our vocabulary anymore. Because her might, her the coins the size of a dust mite, were also her might and her strength in Christ, and she's blessed for this. The application for us of the Macedonian example is just like it is for the Corinthian church. It's not about what God's other churches need. God doesn't have needs. God doesn't have needs. Rather, He has presented us with a chance to be a part of His work, and so the only question is whether or not we will get to be a part of the things that He's doing. For you have not believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great opportunity for you to put your trust in Christ. And for you who have believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is an opportunity still presented before you to bear much fruit and to be a part of God's work. Come, friends, if the opportunity is there, and it is so great. We're going to have to be like this Macedonian church, like my sweet grandmother, or like the widow who offers her might. Uh, No, no, no one is going to discourage us from doing what we can, whatever it is, in order to have bore fruit and blessed the other churches in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the question turns in Scripture from, what can I spare? To, how much more can I accomplish before Christ returns? Not, not what can I spare, but how much more can I do before Christ comes to do some accounting of my life? 
Now, after offering this example, which is not to their shame, the Corinthian church, who have promised to take up a collection, but they haven't quite fulfilled their obligation, Paul offers them this as an encouragement. See how this is how the brothers and sisters next door are doing. Corinth is in Greece, uh, just about 100 miles or so south from the Macedonian churches, from Philippi. So this is their neighbors. He says, that's what your neighbors are doing, and I'm not trying to shame you. Rather, I just want to share with you what they're doing so you can be encouraged. Picking up in verse 7, now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I am not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. In this matter I am giving advice because it is profitable for you, who begun last year not only to do something but also to want to do it. Now, also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but a question of equality. At this present time, your surplus is available for their needs, so that their abundance may in turn meet your needs in order that there may be equality, as it is written. The person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. The word of the Lord. First Paul says, this isn't a command to you. I mean, if anybody had a right to make a command of the church, you know, if anybody had a right to say, hey, listen here, y'all, you remember how I started this church? And you remember how I'm the one who gave up my time and effort and energy to come and stay with you? And you remember how I didn't even ask for any money? I just worked as a tent maker to feed myself? Well, listen, now it's time for you guys to pay the tab. Here's my command to you. You make that offering. No. It's not even a command by Paul. Because again, God doesn't have needs that this church must provide for. Rather, He says, this is your opportunity to prove who you are. And Paul even encourages them. He says, I know how good you are. I know what you excel in, how you excel in faith, how you excel in speech, how you excel in knowledge and all diligence and your love for us. Now you can excel in this too. It's an opportunity to be a part of something. In the time of the American Revolution, uh, there were lots of young men like Alexander Hamilton who were looking for an opportunity to prove themselves. Uh, It is certainly not right, and we might look down on this, that they were hopeful for a war. But Hamilton was, and in his letters, if you go and read them, or even if you go read the excellent biographies of him out there, Hamilton would write to his He was hopeful for a war, so there would be an opportunity to prove himself. He didn't have any wealth. He wasn't born into wealth. He was born into poverty. He didn't have anything great that should be spoken of, but, but he knew he could distinguish himself if he just had an opportunity to distinguish himself. And so for he and many others, if there was an opportunity, it would be in military service that they would distinguish themselves. You know, come death or come distinguishment, one way or another, he was going to prove who he was and was just looking for an opportunity to test his mettle and to prove who he was. This is exactly what 
Paul is offering this church here today. He said, I'm just offering a chance to prove who I already know that you are. When I was younger, many years ago now, <laughs> when I was in, when I, many moons have passed, when I was in college, I worked at a, a Christian summer camp, and uh, we would play a game called Prove It, where when anybody would brag about anything, uh, or anyone would, you know, say, goodness, Speak in hyperbole in any way, we would respond with, prove it. And so someone would say, gosh, I'm so hungry. I mean, I could eat everything they have in the kitchen there. <laughs> prove it. We would say to them, or somebody say, oh yeah, no, I can totally jump from this dock over to that dock. I got this. It's easy. Prove it. You know, you better prove it if you're going to brag about something. We'll say with the children now at my house, if a child, you know, we're saying, good night, I love you, child says, I love you, and I say, prove it, I want one right here, <laughs> I want you to come and get me, I want a big hug, squeeze harder, boy, prove it. This is exactly what's being offered here. You know, they, they have a reputation as being excellent Christians, and Paul says, you know, you have this, this, I already know who you are, but here's a chance to prove who you are before Christ and to others. He says this isn't a matter of you giving up something that God gave to you in order for there to be a blessing for them. Rather, this is the way God planned to bless all of us. This is the way God planned to move everything and to put everything together. He gave to you so you could give to them and share in the good things that you're doing. And dear congregation, Talitha, this is one of those great Sundays where I don't have to preach at you because you already have, I think, this reputation for being awfully generous. I've seen it, and I know it, and you've proved it again and again. Watch as this congregation uh, loves others and cares for other churches and will provide as needed. As soon as a need shows up, and it looks like a valid need from Christ, this church is quick to open up the floodgates and just pour out whatever we have on whoever we can. I've watched it again and again. You don't need a new opportunity to prove it. And yet there are so many. Talitha, I think you have the reputation of being generous, but let's prove it. Let us demonstrate it. I heard, you were, I heard that you serve a generous God. Prove it. I heard that the love of God is so great in you that it overflows to others. Let's prove it. I have heard that you have been forgiven of all your sins, and those who have been forgiven much rejoice much and share much. So prove it. By way of application, we have so many opportunities. And it's my joy in this season to present to you many opportunities. I said, our friend and member, Roxanne, is already here for us today, and then we'll be speaking here tonight. Uh, I'm proud of you. Congregation, we support at least a child through our own budget. And even in addition to that, that we as a church have voted to support this mission, there are many of you who are supporting and sponsoring other children on your own doing. And then I, as this, I'm so excited to hear back good reports from Roxanne tonight and just hear how things are going and what else there is we can do. We'll continue to have opportunities. One, one goal of the missions committee this year is to present to you more and more opportunities our friend Steve Marshall, who's been starting churches in Lyon, France, the French church planter we talk about periodically, he'll be here in October to speak to us about the good work that's going on there, 
how we've been able to support them, and how else we can in the future if God moves. We'll collect our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which simply goes out to all of our international mission workers since we have so many missionaries as Southern Baptists. In January, a church planter from Rhode Island will be here to get to talk to us on a Sunday morning, Sunday night like we're doing now. Our friend for Mission Dignity, Kyle, will be here in February, and then we'll have our Annie Armstrong offering for church plants in North America come Easter. The goal is this, to, from the missions committee, to provide for you ample opportunity, and then as the Lord leads, as the Lord calls you, as you have desire to bear fruit and to be a part of good ministry work, well, then God bless you, do it. Give from what you have. Give from what you don't have. Give as the Lord leads you. This is not a command, and this is not shaming, but this is an opportunity to prove that we are, in fact, under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, though He was rich for our sake, became poor, so that by His poverty we might be made rich in Christ, and we have been made rich in Jesus Christ. The way, this is also, as Paul talks about here, the way that God chooses to provide for His churches. So how does God, here's our question for today, how do the churches work together? Like this. This is how God has called us to work together. This is what God wants us to do. This is His way. God knew there was going to be challenges at certain churches and in certain places that weren't shared in every place, but that we were to share in the afflictions of each other as we share with one another other blessings and gifts. You see, the Corinthian church was greatly blessed by Titus, who came from the Macedonian church. Uh, they are sharing missionaries with other people. And just as that, what does Corinth have to share? Well, then share that as well. Not only are the churches sharing financially with each other, but the churches are sharing missionaries with each other. The churches are sharing friendship and encouragement. The church in Corinth needs a pastor. They call out to the Jerusalem church, to the Macedonian church, who has God been raising up, who can come over and share with us. And this is the work that Timothy is doing, that Titus is doing, as Paul sends them out to wherever there is need. The goal is, by the power of God and His, not commands and demands of each church, but by His Holy Spirit who is guiding and leading them all, that even the churches who don't have enough do have enough, and the churches that have plenty have plenty to offer. God's plan was that as churches, listen, all churches go through seasons, right? You've been around long enough, you know that some churches go through a good season, they later on go through a difficult season. Just stick around long enough, and you'll see it. Churches go through seasons, good season, bad season, good season, bad season. It just happens for all sorts of different reasons. Healthy seasons, unhealthy seasons, difficult seasons, easy seasons. All churches go through seasons, and the purpose of this, one of God's purposes of this, is to give the other churches an opportunity to work together, to help and encourage each other. So friends, in good season and bad season, as you see opportunity, in season and out of season, let us bear much fruit together. So we have gone as a church to various places. Some of you might remember we've gone and we did a big block party with one of our church plants in San Francisco. Uh, we had a pastor that we've sent out there, we Southern Baptists, to San Francisco, and a couple of years ago, we went out and said, all right, we're here, how can we help? Uh, there's a pastor there, but you need more hands on deck, so we're here for the week, what can we do? And we went and knocked on every door in his community and invited out everybody to a block party, and it was huge. Everybody came out. 
And he got a bunch of contact information from people. And he was able to call and follow up with many of them and shared the gospel with many people. It's San Francisco. Not many people trusted the Lord. But many people had an opportunity to hear. We did what we could, and they heard. And we got to share in the good work with that friend. You might recall if you went along, we did an excellent VBS on Vancouver, Vancouver Island, right outside of Vancouver. We got to share with these families and these children, children who parents wouldn't let them go to church because it's a very secular culture, did let them go to VBS. And these kids were saved. And parents who didn't want to go to church but were happy to send their kids off to a VBS then we're happy to come to church as a result. We were able to join with our hands with those who had little or had few hands in order to do this. You might recall back when this business with uh, Ukraine began that we grieved with our Ukrainian Baptist brothers and sisters. There's quite a few Russian Baptists. There's quite a few Ukrainian Baptists. I should point out, I am aware that there are Christians out there in the world who aren't Baptist. But you'll understand that we often partner with those who, who worship Christ in our like faith uh, because we actually believe in the things that we believe in. And so when those Ukrainian Baptists were struggling and the Ukrainian Baptist seminary had to shut down, even still those pastors and ministry leaders were working as civilians in the Ukraine and still are even to this day in order to support and encourage and do what they can for people in their own country as their country is invaded, but all the more to share the gospel with people and say, hey, has a sense of imminence arose in your life lately, friends, my fellow Ukrainians? Well, Christ is going to return too, and this is imminent as well, that you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You recall we were able to send an offering to the French church, Steve's church, those brothers and sisters there, because they had a Ukrainian church meeting on a Sunday night in one of their churches, and they knew of all these needs that their Ukrainian family members had back in Ukraine, so we helped send some money so that they could buy some vans, uh, like minivans, because all of the minivans were being bombed out or destroyed in the Ukraine and people couldn't get around for transportation. We sent some support to the French church, and that French church bought up some minivans so that they could drive them over to the Ukraine. And you, you might recall if you're around for this, my mom and dad were there in France at that time, and dad helped those Ukrainian pastors and French pastors drive those minivans over to the border of Ukraine back in the spring. Our church did what we could to help that church, which did what they could to help that church. And I tell you, the, the work works great. The kingdom of God advances and is advancing every day. And there's opportunity again and again for you and I to be a part of it. So the question is not, well, what can I spare? The question is, how much, how much fruit do you want to bear before Christ returns? Because there is yet another opportunity and yet another opportunity and yet another opportunity. Talatha Baptist Church must form strong relationships with other churches, whether they are in Pittsburgh, as we support friends in Pittsburgh, whether they are in Rhode Island, whether they are in France, my friends, the other brothers and sisters in our other congregations around Aiken who are in need regularly and who we can help out and support and encourage because what our community needs is more healthy Baptist churches not fewer, larger ones. Talatha must form stronger relationships with other churches so that we can help in all places where there is need. We have offered our lives individually to Jesus Christ as Lord, and then we all together 
have offered our lives in service and our church to the other brothers and sisters around us. Let us see great opportunities and let us share in great opportunities. You know, also when it comes to the sharing of Titus's, I just need to remind you of this to keep your eyes on it. How great is our associate pastor, Trevor Burrow? Yeah, what a great guy that is. I think, yeah, yeah, you can clap for him. I don't think he's in here. Yeah, I don't see him. I think he's at work right now. Uh, Laura and Alice, uh, his wife and his oldest daughter, are in Canada visiting her family because it is her grandmother's birthday. And, uh, and so they're up there doing that. And so he and his younger daughter, Jane, are here solo today. So we had to bring Jane. And then he's also working hard, I believe, teaching our children in children's worship uh, right now, preaching the gospel as well. One of the reasons we brought him in is we brought him in just like Paul did Titus or Timothy, not with the expectation of keeping him forever, but with the expectation of being able to raise him up and invest in him for the encouragement of the other churches around us. You know, Trevor's not going anywhere anytime soon. He, he doesn't want to be anywhere else and is very happy and has lots more fruit to bear. But my goal always is knowing that he is going to go pastor a church someday, I'm trying to keep him as close as we can. Work with me, brothers and sisters. Let us encourage him continuously to be like, hey, I'm always reaching out to other pastors and deacons and search committees saying, try, try our guy, try Trevor. Uh, he's going to go pastor a church, and he's going to be great. And if they start a church in Toronto, God bless them. We're going to invest in that. If they go to North Carolina or Virginia or whatever's in their mind, all the best to them. Let the Lord lead them. But maybe with a little encouragement, the Lord's leading them to stay close by, and we can continue to work together and bear much fruit together. And we can continue to, even after he goes, raise up more and more pastors and missionaries from our young men and our young women in this congregation, that we see even our own children not as something to keep for us, but as something to send out for Christ. Join me. Here's the easiest application today. Join me in praying that many of our young men and women, our children, would be called to missionary service and would be called to pastors even if it means that the family is separated across great distances, let us rejoice that God would see our houses and our church worthy of making such offering to the other churches around the world. Finally, verse 16, Paul tells them not just what they ought to do, but how they ought to do it. Paul says, "'Thanks be to God, who put the same concern for you in the heart of Titus.'" See what we're talking about here about sharing, uh, sharing uh, friendship, about sharing ministers and pastors and missionaries. Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. Titus said, that church over there that I'm not from, oh, I can go help him. I'm going to go do it. Let me go do it. I'm ready to go help. Verse 18, we have sent him uh, we have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving it carefully Indeed, we are giving carefully, careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent with him uh, our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent. 
and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and my co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the church, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and our boasting about you. Paul says, I'm sending to you Titus and this other brother who is well known. Paul doesn't name him here. For one reason or another, he's unnamed. But Paul says, I'm sending these guys to you who have great esteem and who are well known, and you know they're the ones we are sending to you. This is all hands above board and important. Because just as we churches could have, they have the question of, hey, how do we know that our money's getting to the right place? They say, how do we know this is all going to the right place? And Paul says, verse 20, we are taking this precaution, that is, sending more than one person and sending a group of godly people, we are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right not only before the Lord, but also before people. What an interesting thing for him to say. That we could have sent Titus to you, and that would have been right before our hearts, because we know Titus and you know Titus, and this is easy peasy. This would have been right before the Lord, because Titus would have taken the gift from you, and Titus would have taken it right to the Jerusalem church where we were supposed to go, and there wouldn't have been any problem. But we're also trying to do what is right before people. Not just, hey, I know what's right in my heart, so we're all right but a demonstration of faith and love before everyone else. As we mentioned somewhat frequently and have now enshrined uh, in all things American, uh, one of our former presidents said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. Paul says, listen, we're sending you Titus, we're sending you this other brother, they've got great names, and what they're going to do is take this offering And we're doing this in such a way, not only that you know what is good and right, so that there's no way to even criticize anybody's motive or what's happening or if anything was underhanded or that everything shows up in the place that it has to go to. Dear congregation, we must also give careful thought to do what is right before God and before people. We likewise not just do what is right by God, but we do it in a way that is done right and can be demonstrated to be done on purpose. This is why we have such high transparency. Again, find no reason to chastise this church, but only to commend it and encourage it. I love that we have monthly business meetings. It's not normal anymore to have monthly business meetings. I love it because our business meetings are worship services, because the way we handle and conduct our business is worshipful to God if we do it in a godly way. And so the transparency that we have where you can show up and receive all the information at a business meeting of where all the money is going and who gets paid what I think is important and a part of our act of worship. Of course, there's no malfeasance. But also, you can see that there is no malfeasance and that these things are done correctly. We are too, like this Corinthian church, they want to do what is right, but they don't just want what is to be done what is right, but they also want to do right and to do what is right the right way. How was that? Was that confusing? Paul says, I know you guys want to do what is right, now do it. And not just doing what is right, but doing what is right in the proper manner. We must do likewise. Let us desire to do what is right. 
But let's not just desire to do what is right. Let us actually go about doing the things that are right. And when we go and do worshipful service before God, let us do it in the right manner so that this witness can be before all people. Now, frequently when handling money, the answer is to not do it in front of all people, to be rewarded by all people. In that case, the discretionary way to do this individually is to do it in secret as Jesus has commanded But let us want to do right, and then to do right, and let us do it in the proper manner as well. Friends, I don't want us to show up empty-handed before Christ. To be sure, the brother and sister who has put their trust in Jesus Christ does not have to pay for their sins on that day because our sins have already been paid for by Jesus our Savior. And if you are worried today about your salvation, then come forward and offer your life to Christ because He will accept you and forgive you of everything that you've done. And now, dear Christian, who is going to come before that throne of judgment someday, robed in the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ our Lord, let us not come empty-handed, but having worked all that we can to bring many other saints to glory There's opportunity and opportunity and opportunity before us. So let us participate in God's good work. My goal for you, as long as I am the pastor of this church and you are the member of this church, I said, you know, churches come and go, seasons come and go, pastors come and go, people come and go. But we here together today who have put our put our lot in with each other, we have covenanted together as a church, you members of Talatha. The purpose of each of us in each other's lives at this time is that each of us may bear much fruit in this season. So let's do it as much as we can and however we can. You see, none of this is really about money because God doesn't need any money. But it is an opportunity for us to demonstrate our hearts before Him and to be a part of His kingdom. Money certainly can become an idol for each and every one of us but we must be careful to not let it. But perhaps I'll encourage you in one final way by conclusion. Perhaps in your thoughts about money and how God has provided for you, perhaps you ought to make a decision to go without something in life just until the end of the year. What do we got left? Three months? Four months? What, what day is it today? We've started September. Yeah, we've got like three and some change months left in the rest of this year. Congregation, I don't have to chastise you. Y'all are so generous, and we do so many things together. But perhaps make this your goal if you need an opportunity to know how to participate. Let us not give out of our abundance for the rest of this year. Not what do we have on the side that we can spare because God's been generous. But let us give in such a way where it costs us something this year. Let's give in such a way, give up something, some bill, some luxury, some something, some meal out a week, it doesn't matter what, or however small, but perhaps in the rest of 2022, you and I will be able to point to some area in our life where we said, I did without, and I did it for the sake of the kingdom to bear much fruit. 
however small, however large, amount clearly doesn't matter. And I'm not saying just put this in the offering plate at Talitha. You can. It all, you can see where it all goes, and it all goes to missions one way or another. All of this is missions. But any one of the mission opportunities we have, anywhere and anyhow, but let us be the kind of people who are willing to sacrifice something, cut out something for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rest of this year. If you need more specificity than that, simply pray and allow the Spirit to lead you. He will direct you on this. Brothers and sisters, when Christ returns, let us not be found empty-handed, but having bore much fruit for Christ. Father God, I thank you so much that you are so gracious to us as to let us be a part of your work. It is our goal Though we are saved and have nothing to worry about, yet we want to have done much with the time you gave us. So open our eyes to the opportunities, open our hearts and open our hands, whatever we can do, however we can do it. We simply want to be called faithful before you, Jesus our Lord. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen.